0: Stories Bigger Than Texas, The Alamo Podcast. We are fast approaching 188 years since the siege and battle of the Alamo. Pivotal points in the Texas Revolution that are now forever etched in history. Today we reveal how we continue to remember the Alamo through a series of commemoration events meant to honor the fallen heroes of the Alamo and teach new generations about what took place all those years ago. I'm your host, Emily Balkum. We're joined today by Angela Wolfgram, Director of Living History and Public Programs, Leah Thornton, Director of Events and Membership, and Forrest Bias, a descendant of an Alamo Defender and a very active Friends of the Alamo member. Thank you all for being here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us.
1: Definitely glad to be here.
0: Angela, let's kick things off by explaining what is commemoration. Commemoration is the term we use to discuss the events
2: that we do on an annual basis um, to mark the anniversary of the siege and battle of the Alamo. Uh, This set of days is known by many names, uh, but we as an
0: institution use commemoration. And there's been an evolution of these anniversary events over time.
2: Yes. Uh, So people have been noting um, and realizing that this was a special event that needs to be remembered almost Since it happened, I mean, in the weeks following the Battle of the Alamo, they're already comparing it to Thermopylae, which was a battle in um, the ancient world. And so uh, you really see over time people getting the idea that this was a battle that was going to mean something in the long term. So if we kind of get a little abstract with it, I think the first commemoration was actually when Juan Seguin um, has a burial oration or just a burial Um, speech that he gives. Juan Seguin, by 1837, is already noting the um, heroic actions of his friends, of his colleagues, compatriots, and um, has this beautiful speech that we actually read every year during one of our Events that he gives that's noted in newspapers of the time. If you then fast forward to the late 1800s, so that was 1837. If you fast forward to uh, 1891, that is the first year that we have what resembles today's fiesta. And fiesta has serves many purposes at this point, but that's a series of events as well. We love doing series of events here in San Antonio, and that really started as an effort to remember the people who died in the Battle of the Alamo and the Battle of San Jacinto, which occurred several weeks later and was really the end of the Texas Revolution. So at that point, and then especially with the DRT, the Daughters of the Republic of Texas, coming in in the early 1900s, they start to do um, formal events. It is um, certainly a task of theirs um, to be noting the anniversaries of each stage of the siege and battle. But we really see kind of a culmination over the years uh, of just these events getting bigger, of more events taking place. For the last several years, uh, we have tried to do something almost every day of the siege and then the day of the battle to note what had occurred historically. We're really trying to convey to people that the events of the Alamo in 1836 did not just occur on one day. Yes, there is this 90-minute battle but it also very much so is a story of this long siege, this 12-day siege, and so we really um, take it upon ourselves to make sure that we are helping people to understand the significance of that siege and what happened each day um, and try to have
0: context for that as well within the larger Texas Revolution. Such a great look back at the history. Thank you for that. Leah, you work with so many groups to put on these events over that two-week period, and we'll break down each event in a moment. How do you work with each group to make sure each event has its own unique touch?
3: Well, thank you. So we do. We're lucky to work with a lot of heritage partners and descendant groups to help put on these programs. As Angela mentioned, there is a lot that happens over these 12 days. And so we work with these different groups to help us put like a different spin on each one. And each group really celebrates their own connection to the Alamo and the defenders. So some groups may come in, for example, the Sons of the Republic of Texas, and they really focus on the individual stories of some of the lesser known defenders that were here. The Daughters of the Republic of Texas, they like to highlight the birthplaces and really celebrate where everyone came from, because not everyone was from here. They came from you know, 21, I believe, different states, six different countries, so really focusing on that. And then the descendants groups really focus on the individuals and how they can honor that sacrifice. And so each, each program has just a little bit different spin. So even if you come to every single one of them, you're still going to see something different, and we're going to be talking about a different angle on on the siege and the battle itself.
0: And Forrest, you are a descendant of an Alamo defender. What does it mean to you to attend and even participate in some of these events?
1: Well, it is an honor to be able to participate and honor the sacrifice of the defenders. And for me, my ancestor, Andrew Kent, was one of the 32 that entered the Alamo during the siege, knowing what they were facing. I try to attend all the commemoration events every year. And, you know, I get goosebumps, like during the Immortal 32 Arrive event, when I march in portraying my Defender descendant, me, with Andrew Kent, my ancestor. I'm proud to be able to do that, and I love attending the events.
0: That's beautiful. Angela, this is the sixth commemoration you've planned. Walk us through some of the events the Alamo puts on and how they vary in tone. Very excitingly, uh,
2: this year in 2024, it is a leap year. So it's another day of commemoration. And historically, it was a leap year as well in 1836. So we are like right on target um, for being historically accurate. A couple years ago, we started to do um, what I'm calling the opening ceremony for commemoration. So bringing in an array of speakers, um, folks who have everything from political connections to familial connections to folks who are just really passionate about this history and getting them to speak to why they want to commemorate, remember this from year to year, why um, we as a
0: society should be doing that, and then kind of what to expect. Opening ceremony will be Friday, February 23rd at 10 a.m. Yes. to mark the first day of correct, the Correct, correct.
2: Then on the 24th, we typically, um, of February, we typically do an event all about the letter that William Barrett Travis was penning that day. And it's a call for aid. He had several letters he was writing writing during the siege. But this is a remarkable letter. People know phrases from it, victory or death. Um so it's just a, a letter that really evokes bravery in the face of really amazing circumstances and what it means to
0: dig your heels in and stand up for what you believe in. So it's a very meaningful letter to folks. That will be Saturday, February 24th at 10 a.m. It is free and open to the public. Yes. And I understand we have some star power joining us as well. Yes, yes. So we have
2: this year um, recording artist William Beckman joining us. And so we are really excited um, to bring him into the fold. He's from Texas. And and so I think just giving people an opportunity to join us in these efforts um, is really special. And I'm sure it's something he won't be forgetting for a long time either. Next, we have on the same day, February 24th, which is a Saturday, um, an event called Evening with Heroes. It is meant to be a night where you get kind of immersed in the stories, Um, and the experiences of the men leading up to the day of the battle. So we have seven scenes where people are... They have lines. They're acting it out. They're doing first person, so taking on the persona of the individual. You have a tour guide who's leading you around to these different scenes, and the idea really is just to give you an opportunity to look through a window of what they would have been experiencing, discussing, thinking about. That one is a paid experience. Um, Most of these events are free, but that's one where um, we've been putting it on for a long time, and it does take some resources to put it together. Saturday,
0: February 24th from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., $40 for adults, $30 for kids. There are discounts available for military families and friends of the Alamo families. Forrest, you are a friend of the Alamo, and you've been to this event. What is it like to walk in the footsteps?
1: Yes, it's a, it's a very good event for all ages, and the, the uh, Living History Department really puts on a good event that night. And you just, you go from station to station. And you realize what they were doing, when they were doing it, and you wonder how they felt as they did it.
2: And most of these events are occurring during the day, but that is one of the evening ones. And there's just something about being on the grounds when it's dark. Absolutely. It gets really dark on the grounds. Like, I don't know how that scientifically happens, but <laughs> you're in the gardens, you're walking around um, some of the historical structures, and it does not feel like you're in the middle of San Antonio, right? I mean, it exactly. feels like, Yeah. yeah. And it definitely kind of helps
3: evoke that feeling of, especially with the theatrical um, presentation of what it might have been like. So it's a bit more immersive than a a general visit during the day. It takes
1: you back to that period, if you can imagine, when you're back there and you're on the actual
2: grounds. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Evening with heroes might be more geared toward adults, but Angela, your department living history is planning a day for families and kids. Yes,
2: there is a day, family day, um, where we typically have some more hands-on activities, tactile activities, um, things that are gonna draw children of all ages and really people of all ages. And so that's a day where we plan everything from uh, like kids drill, where kids can walk through the steps of firing a musket they don't really fire musket they're wooden muskets (laughs) but just being able to simulate that process um, and being able to picture what it's like to be a soldier you can do the same um, with cannon crews we let kids kind of practice what it would be like to fire real cannon and cannons were such a huge part of the battle here Um, and a number of other activities just really intentional to make sure that people are having fun when they're here but understanding the significance of when they're visiting
0: Next up on our commemoration calendar is the event that Forrest spoke about a few minutes ago, The Immortal 32 Arrive, Friday, March 1st, from 10 a.m. to 11, and it is free and open to the public.
2: Yes, so we started doing this event really a few years ago, but I believe the first year was 2019 when a couple of us decided that it would be a great idea, of course, so I don't know why we didn't think of this earlier, to work with the people of Gonzales and Descendants of this group of men um, who are the only folks to actually answer William Barrett Travis's call for aid. And so this is an event where we have a number of speakers ranging from the mayor of Gonzalez um, to descendants to DRT members. Last year, we had a child who is from the community just speak to what it is like to grow up in a community with such history. And then we also have people dressed uh, as they would have been dressed in the 1830s um, walk in and kind of simulate, recreate that march um, into the Alamo. And then we have a small group that we label as kind of the Alamo Garrison, and they receive that group. And it's really meant to be a visual for all of us to understand that, first of all, this wasn't a huge group of people walking into this daunting situation. It's really, you know, just a handful, well, more than a handful, but not much more than a handful of people who are coming into um, just terrible odds. And the relief that the garrison would have felt as
0: well, seeing these men actually responding. Forrest, you spoke earlier about what it's like to participate in this event. What is it like to partner with the town of Gonzales and have them here?
1: Well, that's that's a very solemn event for me. The first year I did it was 2019 the drilling and ceremonies and, and uh, the living history, Angela outfitted me in 1836 attire so I could betray my ancestor. But everything kind of stopped for me when I came around the building and I saw the crowd there. And then as we were marching in, I was overcome with emotion because that was the first time a Kent had marched into the Alamo since 1836 is what I looked at it as so I was I was really uh it it gave me goosebumps and then every year I've done it since it's just it's an honor and I always think of of him and what he was doing and how he came in you know going through the Mexican lines, because the fort was surrounded. So, uh,
0: Were you surprised by your own emotions?
1: Yes, yes I was, because it, it, it was fun and talking to the other guys in line and getting ready to march in, and you know, we're going to have cameras on us and everything, and then when we actually did it, it was totally solemn for me. So.
0: A new event this year is the sold-out 1724 Gala, celebrating Texas Independence Day on March 2nd. The money raised will go toward the Remember the Alamo Foundation, a nonprofit that exclusively supports the Alamo's preservation, educational outreach, and public programs. Leah, what is this natural connection of fundraising and our commemoration programming? Well,
3: there's a very important connection. I will say the gala itself is celebrating not just Texas Independence Day, but actually this year marks the 300th anniversary of the founding of the Alamo at its current location. And so that's why we're calling it the 1724 Gala. And so that connection between fundraising and commemoration is very important because those funds help to ensure that we're able to put on programs like this. Um, And as you mentioned, all of the proceeds from that event go to uh, the Remember the Alamo Foundation. So they support support preservation and educational programs and outreach, and then public programs like these, like commemoration. And they ensure that we are able to put this on every year and that we're able to partner with these really important heritage groups that we spoke of before. And that we are just able to continue telling the full story of the Alamo for the future. There are ways that our listeners can support and continue to support not just the event, but the future of the Alamo. We take online contributions, which are always welcome year round, not just during commemoration and for the gala. You can, as Forrest has done, become a friend of the Alamo member. And then we also will have a live and silent auction that will take place that evening. And the silent auction will be available for anyone around the world to be able to go online, see those packages and place bids. And then hopefully win. So that will be available
0: beginning on February 23rd. The commemoration events culminate on March 6th, the 188th anniversary of the Battle of the Alamo. The dawn at the Alamo begins at 6am and this is an event that is worth getting up early for.
2: Yes, yes. So they've been doing this event, Dawn at the Alamo, for several decades on Alamo Plaza. Some might be wondering why we do something at dawn. So as Emily said, it's at 6 a.m. Why in the world is it at 6 a.m.? Well, we know that the Battle of the Alamo um, took place in the early hours of March 6th. By doing it at 6 a.m., we're able to time the program so that the sun rises towards the end. And the idea is to be there in darkness in the solemn emotions of knowing that the battle would have taken place um, this year, 188 years prior, and then to have the sunrise casting a light upon the wreaths that people have laid, which takes place during that event, the sun rising over um, the various musicians that we have playing and the people who have gathered, hundreds of people gather for this actually. We work with a number of people to put it on, the San Antonio Living History Association, descendants. We always have uh, the commissioner of the general land office come as they're, of course, a huge part of what we're doing here. And just a number of people gathering to mark that occasion. Uh, And it usually is about an hour long. Um, And then people just kind of hang around for a while because it's not one of those ceremonies you sit through and then you say, "Okay, what's next? Like you want to process it for a minute. And so it's become um, quite a gathering space for people and folks begin to show up. Well, goodness. I mean, Leah and I. Show up. I think you would show up at maybe two it was in the mornings, between two and three a.m. It, it takes a three. lot to
0: get these events. <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah. and believe
3: it or not, when I arrived last year, I think it was close to three a.m. There were already people on already the plaza people. to get yeah. their seat and to be ready. Right. So it's it's uh, definitely an early morning, but it's one that a lot of people find very worthy and worthwhile yes. for losing those precious few hours of sleep. Yes,
0: absolutely. Angela spoke about this being a, a gathering place for people. They linger afterward. Forrest, are there people you see every year at these events?
1: Yes, every year. There are people been coming as a pilgrimage to the Alamo for 40 years doing this. There, there Before COVID, there were people who would fly from Europe every year. There are people from it's the It's interesting Coast, you say that.
0: I just spoke to a friend of the Alamo member in the UK who I'm going to meet on March 6th. He's involved in a group that's going to lay a wreath remembering the UK defenders.
1: That's, that's excellent. It, uh, so many wreaths, so many people, so many friends that we see every year. And sometimes we may not see them throughout the year, but then we meet at the dawn ceremony.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you referenced wreaths. I mean, one One of the um, biggest components of the event that um, takes the most time is the laying of the wreaths. And so various descendant groups, individuals, um, just folks who have someone they would like to honor who had fallen in the battle will bring a wreath that they've spent their own time and money on and they will lay it in the grass that is in front of the shrine. And that is really to memorialize because this is a grave. Uh, many families considered this their ancestor's grave. The emotion and the connection and the just oh, the passion
3: that these people feel for this place—it's really inspiring and yeah, special. And you, you said yeah.
1: hanging around afterwards, uh, mm-hmm. we all do hang around and, and we process what happened mm-hmm. that day and think about it again and wonder where was my ancestor on those walls? What right. was going on? Uh, at that time
0: yeah speaking of hanging around there are even more events on march (laughs) 6 spearheaded by descendant groups and they are all free and open to the public we have after the fall at 10 a.m held by the sons of the republic of texas Really one of the main themes of that particular annual event
2: is giving a voice to maybe some of the lesser known defenders. They have people depicting these individuals and kind of almost in an interview style program. And you know, it's just really interesting to think about all of the different stories behind the names that you see. And these are real people who
0: had this real experience. And at 2 p.m., the Daughters of the Republic of Texas will hold their annual memorial service for the heroes of the Alamo. So yes, this
3: is the one I spoke to earlier as well. They really focus on the birthplaces and where these people came from and highlighting, you know, just how this wasn't just a Texas story. This was really a a United States story, and a world story. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of their focus
2: for that ceremony.
0: Finally, at 6 p.m., Remember the Defenders. This is an event held by the Alamo Defenders Descendants Organization.
2: Yes, so that, if you think of bookends for the day, um, there is the 6 a.m. dawn ceremony, and then this is our 6 p.m. So we also try to time this ceremony so that the sun is setting on this day of many events they are really reflecting on what their ancestors went through. And so we have a number of speakers who speak to kind of the impact of what it's like to be related to someone who's met this fate that is meant for your family, uh, kind of the stories that have been passed down over time as well. We always have music. We have time in the shrine, in the church. uh, And it's just a really solemn way to end Um, quite a day.
0: A few days after the official commemoration window, the Grand Lodge of Texas will continue to honor the Alamo defenders on March 9th with an event called the Alamo Observance.
3: Yes, and this event is to honor the Alamo defenders who were Freemasons. It is free and open to the public.
0: And of course, this commemoration will be extra special this year because the Travis letter will be here. It was the topic of last week's episode, Angela, remind us how people can see the Travis letter during commemoration and even a short time after.
2: There is actually a members-only preview that is occurring on Thursday, February 22nd. And so that is the very first time that people on-site will be able to view this letter since it was here in, I want to say, 2013. So it's been quite some time since it's been here on-site. And And I will say, if I could add into that, if you're not a friend
3: of the Alamo member, it's not too late. There's still time. There's still time. You can join online and reserve your tickets.
1: Yes, I can't wait to see that early because being a friend of the Alamo member.
2: Then, beginning on February 23rd, so the first day of the Siege of the Alamo, um, we are going to have that letter on display at the Ralston Family Collection Center. And it's going to be on display until March 24th. So people are going to have about a month to come and see this letter um, in person. And there's really something remarkable about seeing a historical document in the place of creation. A lot of times in museums, we see things disassociated from their historical context. So there's something really special
0: about seeing um, this letter where it would have been penned. Commemoration is a great time to reconnect with the Alamo. If you haven't been down here in a while, you can see what's new and maybe decide, hey, I wanna get involved. Angela, a great way to do that is through volunteering.
2: The best way to dip your toes into volunteering here is to check out um, on our website. There are a few ways through our website to get to the volunteer page. Probably the most direct being to click support um, at the top of the website. And the support um, homepage will will give you the option of learning about volunteering. Um, but then, I mean, we are open Every day of the year, aside from Christmas, so if you are really excited by commemoration, we get to talk about the siege and battle of the Alamo every day, so you do not have to wait um, for February and March um, to be able to share this great story.
0: And Forrest, you've spoken throughout this episode on how much you love being part of Friends of the Alamo. This is a great time to join.
1: Oh, yes. Definitely a great time to join and be part of all the action, as well as uh, you're actually helping with preservation and restoration of the Alamo in the future museum.
0: What are some of the perks you enjoy of being a friend of the Alamo?
1: Well, going into the Ralston Collection Center anytime I want, you know, I have friends come in, and, and depending on what level you are, you know, you bring your friends in, uh, and admission free. So you just, you just go on in, show them your, uh, membership number and go right in.
0: But as you said, no matter where you live in the world, this is a way to contribute to the Alamo.
1: To the Alamo itself, to the restoration, the preservation, you can be part of it.
3: And memberships start at $50. So it's really an affordable way to be supportive
1: of the Alamo. Yeah. And just a couple of, entrances to the uh, collection center, and it pays for itself right away.
0: Very true. Why is it so important, 188 years later, to remember the siege and Battle of the Alamo?
1: Well, I would say we need to honor our history, we need to remember our history, and know how Texas became a country and later a state.
3: It's part of all of our stories, right? That's right. Even if you, you live in Texas, you were born in Texas or not, you live here now. It's a part of our story. It's part of the United States story.
1: It's part of how how the westward part expansion of the country happened, all because of that battle. It, it all goes down to that.
2: Yeah, and I think there's something really special about taking the time at the historical time that something would have occurred. It's not uncommon for battle sites to have commemorative anniversary events, but the fact that We have so many days where we tell this story is really significant. You know, whether you're someone like Forrest who has this uh, very deep blood connection to this story, or you're someone like the folks you were talking to, Emily, who are in England and just really passionate, um, there
0: really is power for everyone um, who chooses to learn about the Alamo. Angela Wolfgram, Leah Thornton, and Forrest Bias, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to check out the podcast notes we've linked to the Alamo events calendar that includes everything taking place during commemoration, plus how you can be among the first to see the Travis letter. We've also linked to how you can sign up to volunteer for the Alamo or become a Friends of the Alamo member. You've been listening to Stories Bigger Than Texas, the Alamo podcast.